0: Hello, and welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Thank you for joining us to worship and learn more about God as we all pursue Him together as a community. For more podcasts and services about past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendecator.org or come connect with us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning. My name is Joe, and I'm one. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and I'm one of the members here. And uh, today I have the uh, fun pleasure of beginning our that one thing series um, that we do every year. If this is your first time here, you may not know that. Um, And if you weren't here last year for that, let me explain a little bit what we do. So uh, sometime in the summer, June or July, we usually set aside an entire month to do this series called That One Thing. And what happens is we invite guest speakers in to come in and share their answer to a question. What's that one thing? And every year, that one thing is different. And sometimes we've had people who are part of the church, like myself, come and share. Sometimes we've flown people halfway across the country to come and share for this series. But every year we, we do that. And I was trying to think back to... When we began doing that one thing, and I, I bet Pastor Jeff would know, but I'm going to guess this is maybe the sixth or seventh year we've done that one thing in a row. And a lot of people talk about how fun it is. Someone said that to me this morning, that it's one of their favorite things, is that we do this series and and get different perspectives from different people. This is kind of a fun day for me, especially because the first Sunday in July in 2013 was the first Sunday that I started coming to Renaissance. So this is like my 10th year anniversary here as a part of this church, which is really fun for me. And, um, that you would all put up with me for so long as, as part of your family here. So that's really cool. And what we've seen over the last 10 years is that a lot of changes have taken place. if you were here at that time, or if you weren't here at that time, you wouldn't know that we didn't used to have this really nice, awesome space We didn't actually used to have room to sit in to to worship together. We used to worship down in this tiny room on the first floor on the other end of the building that had 147 chairs in it, that on Sundays we would cram 650 people into this building to come and worship, where there were 148 seats in that building. And the carpet was, is... A nightmare, right? You you get that many people moving out over all the time and and coffee gets spilled, and not just black coffee, but like coffee with milk in it, gets spilled onto the floor, and there's like this musty smell down there. But there's something special about that. Like if you were part of that, there was something special about the grunge and the dinge that was that space. And and over that time, the church has really grown. And I don't just mean in numbers, but in in the way that our congregation looks, the congregation was a lot younger back then. And I don't just mean that because those of us who were there are older now, but but when I was a part of Renaissance 10 years ago, I was like the oldest guy there, and I was like 27, 28. There were like a bunch of people younger than me. I was one of the oldest people besides Pastor Jeff. <laughs> and... Uh, now, as we see, our our congregation has grown to include some older people. Let that sit for just a moment. But it's a really beautiful thing how God has, has just turned what was... Uh, A group of young adults getting together and worship together every Sunday night. We only did service on Sunday nights at that time. And this dingy, smelly, cramped room has grown into something really cool with all different kinds of people who come in all different ages and all different walks of life. And it's a really beautiful thing to see how God has grown the church in that way. And I'm not just talking about numbers, but I'm talking about the way he's grown the people us as individuals and done really cool things someone told me this morning that that while we were my friend Brad said while we were working on this space up here when we were remodeling this space there's a place in the building somewhere and I can't remember exactly where it is but before everything was finished the people who were who were working on it that day were encouraged to take a marker and go write on the wall or on the floor maybe it's on the stack I can't remember where it is but but write somewhere the names of the people that you want to see come to church with you someday and he told me this morning they realized that every name they wrote down either comes to church with them now or goes to another church in town here. Okay, isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Like, that's just one little glimpse of how God has, has worked in our church over the last many 13, 14 years now that Renaissance has, has been a church. And he does that through the power of his Holy Spirit. And that is actually the question that we have uh, for that one thing. Pastor Jeff called me. He actually asked me many months ago if I would be willing to speak for this. And I said, yep, let me know when you have the question. And he called me, and I forgot that I'd said yes to do this. And he gives me the question, Joe, what's that one thing the Holy Spirit is doing in you? And I connect that to the growth in the church because we know, and we've known the whole time, that the way the church has grown and, and morphed and changed and looks different and feels different. I got to tell you, I've heard people who aren't a part of Renaissance anymore, and that's fine, but, but one of the reasons I'm given sometimes is that it just doesn't feel the same that it did in that nasty, gross, dark, cramped room. And I'm like, thank God it doesn't feel the same. that it did back then. But but that's the thing I hear. It doesn't feel the same. And that is a good thing that we aren't the same as we were 10 years ago because if we were, that shows me that we've been stagnant. God has, has continued to use his Holy Spirit to grow us and change us. And as all of us grow and learn and become different people, our church, which is made of us people, looks different and becomes different with us. And it's all the work of the Holy Spirit I believe. So I'm gonna give you an answer, my answer to that question. What is that one thing that the Holy Spirit is doing in you? But first, I feel a responsibility to talk a little bit about what we mean by a couple of those things in that question. First is who is the Holy Spirit? And notice I said who and not what. Is the Holy Spirit. I kind of grew up in a tradition where we we talked about the Holy Spirit. We called him the Holy Ghost, and we we talked about him in, in a way that he was like something you could catch. You Are you going to get the Holy Ghost was a thing we could say. Did anybody else grow up in that kind of a thing? I know some of you did. Like, are you going to get the Holy Ghost? Like, should I wear a mask when I go to church? Like, I, I don't know. This is like, I, I don't know if I want to get the Holy And we treated him like he was a thing and this force that could that could just like attack our lives and make us run around the church and scream. Like that was like my image of what the Holy Spirit was growing up. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is not a what. He's not a thing. He's not just this external force, but he's in fact a person. Refers to him as he, refers to him as though he is a living person. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is in fact God. We see all throughout the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says the Holy Spirit was there hovering over the waters during creation. He was part of creation. The Holy Spirit is not just this thing that can come and do something in us. The Holy Spirit is God at work in our lives. And what does it mean that the Holy Spirit is doing something? In me, what, what does it mean that, that he's coming to work in my life? I, I, I want to say it like this because we can often think of it like the Holy Spirit comes along and, and he's going to work in my life much like a doctor or a surgeon would work on me. An external agent doing, performing some kind of thing that I need him to do. This is not what the work of the Holy Spirit is like because the Holy Spirit lives in me. It's not an outside-in kind of a work. It's an inside-out kind of a work that the Holy Spirit does in me. And I want to say this, too, that His work in me is complete. Before my wife starts saying, what are you talking about, Joe? He's got a lot of work to do on on you. I, I want to say it like this. When, when, the Holy, when we place our faith in Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and, and lives inside of us, and He makes us belong to jesus he he fully indwells us and he makes us his own the bible says it uses this language that he seals us for jesus when we place our faith in him so so that work of making me a child of god that the holy spirit does in us that work is complete he has made me his it, it, here's the difference in that because uh, when I look at my life and if you'd ask my wife, she would tell you this is true, that even though the Holy Spirit's work in me is complete in the sense that he has made me a child of God, he's still got a whole lot of work to do. He's still got a whole lot of things in me, uh, behaviors to change and, and mindsets to change. He, he's he got a lot of different things that, that he needs to show me to do differently. So how do those two work together? Here's the difference. It, it, it's in identity versus behavior. The Holy Spirit is in me, and I belong to God because of my faith in Jesus Christ, because the Holy Spirit has sealed me and made me his. That is my identity. That is your identity. If your faith is in Jesus as well, it is who we are as Christians. However, our behavior does not always line up with that, but God doesn't define us by our behavior. He defines us by the fact that he's placed his spirit in us because we've placed our faith in Jesus. So we belong to him. We're his, regardless of what we do. He doesn't define us by our behavior, but he still wants to refine my behavior. And my wife said, thank God that he's refining Joe's behavior. Does that make sense? Can I move on? Okay, I only they've only given me an hour and 45 minutes. So I want to make sure that, that I that I make the best use of that time. God doesn't define me by my behavior, but he refines my behavior. This is how the Holy Spirit, his work in me is complete, but yet he's still got work to do. So now what was my answer to the question? Joe, what is that one thing the Holy Spirit is doing in you? And I fell silent. I had no answer. And I begin to roll through these questions as Pastor Jeff is waiting for me to give my answer to that question. I began to wonder, is God not doing something in my life? Is is it just that the Holy Spirit isn't working in my life right now? Or is it possible that he is, but I've drifted away from him and now I don't even notice it? I don't even see that he's at work in my life. So I begin to to go through this. And maybe when you heard that question, what is that one thing the Holy Spirit is doing in your life maybe you had that that same experience where you couldn't give an answer to that question if you were given the microphone and asked to give the answer today and maybe you're wondering the same thing. Like, is God not doing anything in my life then? Or, or am I just not seeing it? Am I far away from him? So, so I went through those questions, and, and, and I felt like those questions were attacks on my faith. So I had to go back to what I know is true, is that, that God is always present with me. He lives in me. If he lives in me, he's always doing something in me that's true. So that's the answer to question number one. Is God just not doing something in me? Nope, nope. He's doing something in me. Well, have I drifted away from him and can't even sense what he's doing now? The Bible says that he never leaves us. So even if I drift away from him, he's like a bloodhound and chases me down and and comes along with me. He comes to find us when we try to hide from him. Have you ever noticed that? He, he, will, he will find a way to speak to you when he wants to. So he's never promised to leave me. He's promised to never leave me. He's always in me, so he is always doing something in my life. So what then must be the answer to the question? And I realize that it is this, that, that he is showing me the subtle ways he's working in me in spite of how I feel, in spite of what I experience, now i have had spiritual experiences i have had moments of of spiritual euphoria maybe you had them too maybe it's the tradition i was raised in where you could catch the holy ghost where the the hair on the back of your neck will stand up and this sounds scary to some of you but like that's the the experience i've had where where maybe you've been in worship and and you're just overwhelmed with a sense of god's love and his presence and his pleasure over us as his children and you can't help but cry i've had those experiences i have had those moments where i could tell you exactly yes god is doing this in my life because every day this thing randomly comes up and he reminds me that that he's in working me in that way and those things are all good and i'm sure in the next month we're going to hear some stories that are like that specific events and specific things that god is doing in the lives of people But I can't point to one specific thing. What I can point to is that as I look back over the past 10 years and beyond, that God has worked in me during times I didn't even know he was there. And it's oftentimes in retrospect that we see that God has has been doing his greatest work in us. We just don't always experience it in the moment. Now, I really value those, I'll call them mountains, those mountain experiences where you feel like on you're on a spiritual high and everything's going great and people cut you off in traffic and you just bless them right like because you're just you feel so full of god but i also have those spiritual lows where things don't seem to be going so great and people cut you off in traffic and you something else (laughs) them right Like, like, like we have those we experience those those mountains and the valleys, and so if if you've had those moments, you know for sure, yeah, God's with me in the mountains, but it's in the valleys where we really question like is god is God even with me here's here's what I've come to be. To know is true of myself, and I'm sure is true of some of you as well, is that when we have those powerful experiences, those powerful moments where we can say, God is doing this in me right now, sometimes what we do is we become so attached to that experience that we believe that's the only way God shows up in our lives. And so now, instead of engaging with God in a relationship with him, we chase this experience, a spiritual high, so that in the midst of chasing our spiritual high, we completely miss the relationship that God wants to have with us in that moment because we're chasing this counterfeit thing that he doesn't even wanna do again because we're so attached to that thing. What we've done is taken our faith off of the person and placed it in our experience. And this is a danger that we can have when we value our experiences more than we value our relationship with Jesus. I want to take a little bit of time in the hour and a half that I have left and just go, why are you laughing? And just go through the Bible in a couple of different places and just point out moments where we see God doing subtle things and working very subtly. And the first place I want to go to is in 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll be starting in verse 11. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn there. There are Bibles underneath the seats. We're also going to put the words up on the screen. But this is a story of a man named Elijah. He was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. A prophet is a person that God has sent to speak on his behalf. And Elijah was sent by God to speak on God's behalf to the nation of Israel. And Elijah is to this day highly revered Amongst the Jewish people, particularly in the time of Jesus, he was highly revered as one of their greatest prophets. And Elijah, in this scene that we're about to see, is coming off one of those incredible spiritual highs. I don't have time to tell you the story, but he's just done an incredible thing where he's defeated 850. Uh, false prophets who are the enemies of God's people he defeated them in this really cool showdown you should go back and read the preceding chapters to see what God did there so he he does this great thing he he witnesses God at work in a physical miraculous way and he leaves from there and he finds out that the queen is mad at him because of that and he gets really depressed and runs to the desert and takes a really long nap you ever been there (laughs) this is Elijah. He comes off this incredible high, and now he's crashed, and he's got this incredible low, and he wants answers from God. Like, where are you at right now? It's funny to me to think that because he literally just witnessed God show up in a miraculous and physical way, and now he's saying, where are you at right now? So that brings us to verse 11. So he, God, says to Elijah, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. I I imagine the scene that he's like hiding in a cave on the side of a mountain. I don't know if that's exactly what it is, but that's just how I see it in my mind. Like he's in this cave on the side of a mountain and, and God says, get out of the cave and go stand on the side of the mountain. And behold, the Lord was passing by and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. Now, Throughout the Bible, we see many different ways that God shows up, that the Holy Spirit does his work. Sometimes we see him working in a way that he looks like wind blowing through. Sometimes we see him working in a way that he looks like fire. He's shown up as fire. In fact, that's what he did when Elijah had this miracle. He showed up with fire from heaven, sometimes he causes the ground to shake as so though there's an earthquake happening. He shows up in many different ways, and this is how Elijah understands who God is and a strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. We experienced some of that this week, didn't we? any of you still are without power I'm sorry, I'm sorry for you we and we should pray for our linemen who are out to work. We got our power back pretty quickly we had internet out until yesterday afternoon. And that was really the thing I was most discouraged about because there was a live WWE event yesterday afternoon. And our internet came back like 15 minutes after it started. God is amazing. (laughs) God, God is amazing. But I, I digress, but we had wind like that breaking the branches and and blowing through. Insurance companies call that an act of God when that sort of thing happens, and so it is apparent that, that God must be showing up in this wind, but the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, there was a fire. Remember, Elijah had just seen God show up with fire, But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. Some translations of the Bible say it was like a small whisper or a still, small voice, just a, a soft, gentle blowing. And after these incredible things come out in front of Elijah, and he witnesses them with his own eyes, the mountains crumbling at wind blowing by, a fire in the in the middle of a mountain an earthquake there all, all in succession of one another he knows that god is not in them but this gentle breeze blows by is in this subtle gentle and almost unnoticeable it would be so hard to notice the gentle blowing after the earthquake after the fire after the wind but that's when Elijah knew that God was present. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? God asked him, why are you here? And I'm going to come back to that question before we finish up today but i want to point that out that the bible's showing us that one of the ways god works one of the ways the holy spirit works is like a gentle blowing it's subtle you don't necessarily notice it when it's happening, when it's that gentle. In John chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus is meeting with one of the religious leaders who approached him at nighttime because he didn't want to be caught coming to Jesus because Jesus was kind of a, considered a rebel by the other religious leaders of that day. And this man, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus, and he's basically asking him, how, how can a person have a real relationship with God? How, how can we be made right with God? How can we know that God can actually come and dwell in inside of us and Jesus uses this language uh, that he that he calls you must be born again he says it's like being transformed and being made brand new by the spirit of God and and Nicodemus is having a hard time understanding it like even us today we have a hard time understanding that language a little bit I must be born again and Nicodemus even says to him which is the obvious question to ask am I supposed to crawl back into my mother's womb (laughs) What are you talking about? And and Jesus says, no, no, no. It's it's a mystery. And in verse eight, he says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from. Do not know where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a gentle blowing. You don't know exactly what He's doing at all times. You don't know exactly where he's coming from or where he's going to but at some point you know that he's been there. In Galatians chapter 5 this is my last little thing I want to jump to in the last hour that I have. Um, We're given this picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in us in agricultural terms which is really something that the First-century world in which the Bible was, New Testament was written to, would have understood in ways that that we don't necessarily. It was a part of everyone's life, and uh, you know now we're all trying to be like that and have our own gardens and that kind of thing. I'm still of the mindset I'm like I'll just go to Walmart, Kroger, you know, let them grow my fruit for me. But my wife really wants to be a gardener, so we're working on a little garden in our backyard, and thankfully she's gonna get us some fresh. Something I don't know what she has, uh, um, but we're gonna have it because she's worked really hard on this kind of a thing. And, and the thing about that sort of thing is, you plant a seed and you wait. There's work you do in the meantime. You you water it and you you take care of the soil. You do I don't really know. You know she's done all the work. Like I said, I was like whatever. <laughs> you go fail at this. Well, she's not. She's succeeding. Like she knew she would. And I'm always wrong with that. But she. You plant a seed and you don't get fruit the next day. You don't, I don't get a tomato. You don't get zucchini or bro. I think she planted broccoli. <laughs> Who's going to eat that? Whatever, whatever, whatever. Throw it with the other weeds. But you don't get it the next day. You put it in the ground and it grows. And there are things that happen. And if you think about a peach tree, like, years go by before you, you get real good fruit off of that. So, some trees, there are decades that go by before it bears any fruit that comes off of it. None of us would ever look at a tree that, that is not quite mature, but one day will bear fruit. And none of us would look at that tree and say, nothing's hap- that's, a, that's a nothing happening tree right now, we better cut it down. We would never do that. There there are subtle, internal, deliberate things happening in that tree, in these plants that one day will bear fruit. And the Bible uses that kind of language to explain to us the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives in Galatians 5, verse 22. He refers to this as the fruit of the Spirit. And he says these things, The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And this is one of my favorite little lines in all of the Bible. Against such things, there is no law. Nobody's going to lock you up for being too kind. Nobody's going to lock you up for having too much self-control. There's no law against these things. Now, God knew exactly what he was doing when he was explaining that this is how the Holy Spirit works in our lives by using this picture of fruit. Because oftentimes, if we've had big experiences that we look to and say, I know the Holy Spirit was a work in my life in this way, if we begin to depend on those too much, and I know some of you are new to your faith, and, you, and you're really fired up right now and you have a lot of passion and you, you feel a lot of energy towards maybe reading your Bible every day. You never miss church at all. You play worship music as much as you can. You're really fired up right now because, because you're, you're living off the high of an incredible e- spiritual experience of meeting Jesus. And what happens over time is I like to think of it this way is like we, we become nose blind to him, if you've ever bought a new cologne or, or perfume, those first couple weeks, you're like, man, I smell good. And then after that, you put it on and you're like, Do, I don't smell like anything. You can't smell it anymore because we're so used to it. Sometimes we become like that. I don't think it's quite so negative, but what happens over time is, is we don't live our lives over decades in those incredible spiritual highs. In fact, as I look back, I've had a lot more time in those valleys than I've had on the mountaintops. But if we're consistently only expecting God to be working in those high energy mountaintop moments, we are missing what he's doing. He is growing us. He is displaying his fruit in us. This is what the work of the Holy Spirit is like. It's slow, it's deliberate, it's not flashy. It's not crazy. In fact, you don't even necessarily know that it's happening while he's doing it. But looking back, if I look back over the last 10 years of my life, I am for sure more patient than I was 10 years ago. And those of you who didn't know me then can't imagine that I was any more impatient. I was. I I have more self-control than I had 10 years ago. And there's not a moment that I look back to and, and can say, that's the moment God made me a more patient man that's the moment that God gave me more self-control I don't have any moment that I can look back to but what I have over that time is the slow and deliberate and intentional work of the Holy Spirit in me bearing his fruit which brings me to two things about the fruit of the Spirit number one it is his fruit it's not mine It's not mine. When uh, I was a teenager and decided I was going to memorize the fruit of the spirit, because if I memorize the fruit of the spirit, um, whenever I'm tempted, I'll just think of the fruit of the spirit and then I'll have whatever fruit I need in that moment. And so in my own energy, trying to work up the power to do these things, to have more love, to have more joy, to have more patience and kindness and self-control, but it's his fruit. If he's in me, those things are just going to grow. So I don't have to go to the well of Joe Oval and lean on my own strength and depend on my own ability to show up correctly in the moments when I'm tempted. I have the Holy Spirit living within me, the most powerful force in the universe, the most loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind force in the universe living within me. And not only is he living within me, but he wants to display all of those things Through me. It's His fruit and He grows it, not me. I can't look back at any moment and say, man, I'm so glad that I did this, that, and this because it made me a person who's more capable of displaying the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I don't have that. You don't either. He grows it in us. It's his work. This is really challenging for us because we want the list of things to do, don't we? You just tell me what to do. I'll do the things and then I'll know that I've followed Jesus and it doesn't work that way. He says, let me come and live in you. You be you and I'll be me in you. And it's amazing what God will do through us when we just let him be himself in us. When we stop depending on ourselves, I'm going to finish up with these two thoughts about the Holy Spirit's subtle work by going back to 1 Kings chapter 19 in verse 14. So Elijah um, hears the gentle blowing and God asks him, what are you you doing here? What, What are you doing here? You've seen me do this incredible thing just a few days ago. Like, why are you here, like, questioning where I am? Why are you here wanting me to show up in another way? D- don't you know what I'm capable of by this point? What are you doing here? And Elijah's, like, tempting God, like, come on, man. you got to prove to me that you are who you say you are, by I believe in you. And God's like, really? Verse 14, Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Everybody else has turned their back on you, Lord, but I haven't. I alone am left, and now they want to take my life. Have we ever thrown a pity party like that? Lord, I'm the only one who's ever served you, and I can't believe that you've done all of these awesome things for these other people, and I don't even have an experience like that at all. Like, I can't believe it, Lord. I'm the only one who's stood for you at all times. Then the Lord says to him, he doesn't chastise him, he doesn't tell him why he hasn't done anything. He just says, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hatsael, king over Aram. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint over Israel. And he names a bunch of other people and he tells him to go anoint these people, which means oil. Po- o- pour oil over their heads, basically showing that God has chosen them for a certain work, which seems like a really weird answer for God to give to Elijah in this midst of Elijah saying, why won't you show up again? He, here's, here's what I think is, is happening. Elijah's saying, God, you owe me one more experience to prove to me who you are. And God's like, I'm not gonna give you more miraculous stuff. You just need to see that even in the mundane moments of life, I'm still with you. Go back to work. Go back to doing profit stuff. That's what you're supposed to do. I- expect me to show up in the mundane moments because that's where God lives too. We forget that he's in all of those places as well, and we constantly chase the fire, the earthquake, the wind, and he's got this gentle blowing that we shut out and miss what he wants to say. So what's the one thing the Holy Spirit is doing in Joe Oville? It's that he's showing me that in spite of what I experience... In spite of what I feel, he's still at work, no matter what. Would you pray with me? Lord, I'm so thankful that your work in me doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on me paying attention to it. It doesn't depend on me noticing it, that that my ignorance to you being at work doesn't stop you that, Lord, you, you do what you want to do in us, and I'm thankful for that. We, we don't deserve the great things that you do in us. You know, we look back and we see that you have, have done amazing things. Lord, we're so thankful for that. I pray that you would help us to, to take more time to listen for you in those gentle blowings, in the gentle whispers, the still, the soft voice that you have that you want to speak to us through. Lord, help us to value those moments as much as we value the spiritual highs, the mountain experiences, Lord. Help us to see that you're always at work no matter what we feel, no matter what we do. We thank you for that, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to support you and have you be a part of our community. So please check out the church at homepage at rendicator.org. There you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, and even contribute to the growth of the church through online giving. Or you can come see us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. We can't wait to see you.